Hey, everybody, and welcome back to The One Thing Podcast. I'm Chris Dixon. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes I like to just have a little bit of fun. And when things are getting a little crazy or we're super focused on our goals, it can be really easy to lose sight of that. And today I had Aaron Deal on the podcast, and Aaron shares with us how you can leverage fun, comedy, and her experience in improv to build stronger relationships with your team, to have breakthroughs and create connections, to build trust, and to give different players on your team the opportunity to have a voice. Because perhaps to get the clarity you need to move forward and be successful, maybe you need to have a little bit of fun. Because that's the one thing we believe in the three Ps. You have clarity on your purpose, that will inform the things you should prioritize over time so that you can live a life of productivity towards your goals. If you like what you hear on this podcast and you want to learn more about how you can bring the principles and the tools of The One Thing to yourself and your personal life or your business, then come check us out at theonething.com. We are running a special workshop each month we call The One Thing Foundations. Enter promo code podcast at checkout to get $100 off this amazing workshop. Now let's go learn how improv can influence productivity. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The One Thing Podcast. I have Aaron Deal on the podcast today. And Aaron is a business improv edutainer, fail fluencer, and a professional Zumbi, which is hilarious. Through a series of unrelated dates, dares, excuse me, Aaron created Improve It, a unique professional development company that pushes others to laugh, learn, play, and grow. And she is the proud host of the Improve It podcast, which helps develop leaders and teams through play, improv, and experiential learning. And among her, among her many accolades, which this is awesome, Aaron is most proud of successfully coercing over 30,000 professionals to chicken dance. Tell me more about that. <laughs> yeah, let's start there, Chris. That's a good one. Well, um, I'm sitting in my podcast closet, coming to you live from a closet that I have transformed into a podcast studio. And above my head, um, there's a bin of literal chicken hats. So they're mesh, they're like soft chickens with legs. And at the bottom of the legs, they have sneakers. I have I, I have a chicken hat guy. This is a whole thing. So um improve it started in 2014 and just randomly, this is the business that I founded. Randomly, uh, I thought to myself, okay, how can I keep people's attention during our sessions? So whenever we say the word improv, we'll pass this chicken hat that I randomly had next to me on my table when I was coming up with this idea. And we'll we'll just pass the chicken hat. Whoever ends up with it at the end is the improv chicken champion. So we started doing that. And then one of my team members, yes, and did something we do in improv, this idea with the chicken dance. So every time we pass the chicken hat, we literally do the chicken dance like you would see at a wedding. And due to COVID, <laughs> we had to retire the hats because of germs. So now we just straight chicken dance, but it has been over 30,000 people, probably over at this point, um, who we have used this methodology with. And it it's works and it's a great icebreaker. Really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fix the ice right away, right away. Oh, that's funny. Sorry to jump straight on the chicken dance. I couldn't help myself. I, I had to know. But tell me about I'm like so glad. what you're up to and, and your background, a little bit more context and how you ended up uh, in this space. Yeah. So it all started at the age of three in my family's living room. I wanted to be a host. So I don't know if you remember Nickelodeon 
they had this show called Double Dare. This is like early 80s. Okay. Oh, yeah. So like I was Mark Summers in my living room and I was hosting people and I was giving, making sure they got slimed. And I, I mean, I just always loved performing, did it forever. And basically fell into this job. And never in my entire life did I ever think that this would be my life. It, it was a calling that came to me. I wanted to be a talk show host. I literally went to college and said, I'm going to be a talk show host, which is every parent's dream. And got a degree in communications, moved to Chicago, the home of Oprah. I naturally thought um, I should start taking improv classes. And then I fell in love with it. It it first terrified me, if I'm being honest. And I would get really sweaty before I would walk into class and get like what I call the ick factor. Like I just would sweat. A lot of antiperspirant was used. Uh, and then <laughs> I started getting more comfortable with with the uncomfortable. I started to transform personally, professionally. And later in my 20s, I was uh, in a business development role at a recruiting firm. And I was really into improv at the time. I would go to class after work. I would work nine to five, do six to midnight at improv classes, shows, rehearsals, all the things. And it just started to make me better at my job. So the connection was made. Now we've been in business eight plus years. We survived. I would not call it thrived, the pandemic. And 2022, thankfully, was our best year ever in business because everyone is so excited to connect again. And that's what improv does. It postpones judgment. It bridges connections. It brings people together more than any teaching tool I've ever seen in my entire life. Oh, I love it. You said something about you know your experience in improv and being comfortable kind of in the uncomfortable and, and getting some... I guess, experience in that space and how, how did that help you or support you in your growth and your career and being able to just lean into those moments? Oh my God. It was crazy because I really, so I'll just kind of back up a little bit. I love to make people laugh. I have always, I was voted class clown in my high school. All right. It's my, it's how I disassociate from discomfort. I'm going to make you laugh, right? Like I just even did that weird voice. I go to therapy. My therapist <laughs> is like, you don't have to make me laugh here. Um, but it's really just <laughs> what it, I just love. I love it. And when I leaned into improv, what I very quickly learned is that when you try to be funny on stage, you actually ruin scenes you squash creativity, you squash momentum. What true improvisation does, it is reacting in the moment to the last thing that someone said. So you have to be so present. You can't pre-plan. You have to react with your gut. You can't overthink. So you have to, it teaches you to think quickly. And it really teaches you to be a fantastic listener. All of those things I sucked at prior to improv. And I was in a role I had never been in at the time when I made this connection that Improve It was going to be my calling. I was doing sales at a recruiting firm, staffing firm. Now people, if you are in recruiting and staffing, I love you. You have a great job. However, I had never done it before. And it was really hard in the city of Chicago where there was so much competition. So when I say there were doors slammed in my face, Chris, like I legit mean 
in my nose, like for real physical, like this woman was like, nope, slammed the door, did not want to talk to me when I came to her office. So what improv really taught me was how to create connections, form trusting relationships, how to listen in sales conversations, not just show up and throw up, how to be more present and how that presence really makes the other person feel. And when I started focusing on that feeling, that's when I saw my professional life transform. And that's when I knew Improve It could help so many people. And improv in general can help so many people, not just my company. Anyone who uses improv as a teaching tool, I'm I'm so here for you because I genuinely believe that if the entire world could take an improv class, it would be a completely different place. Yeah, well said. You called out some some really important skills around you know creating connections and effectively communicating, being present, being curious. Like these things are so transferable to you know, every area of your life, especially professional development. So you were able to identify those those components that you got from improv and also being in sales too, right? There's, there's that classic, you know, if you want to cut your teeth in sales, the best way to do it is being told no all the time. So you get comfortable mm-hmm. with that uncomfortable. So you almost had a double threat there of doing improv and also getting the experience of a difficult sales job. Yeah, which is interesting because improv is all about yes and. So I was getting told no at my day job and then I was yes anding all night long. But it actually helped me overcome those objections in my day to day because you're right. I heard no so many times. I still hear no so many times. Um, but <laughs> I don't think it, really it goes helped. away. <laughs> I think no. it's, it's present always. Yeah, it amplifies as you, you know, as an entrepreneur, you better get ready to hear it to, uh, every for everyone, yes, you've heard a hundred no's. Like it's it's crazy, but it helps me redefine those no's and redirect them. And it helps me turn no's into maybes, which then equals yeses. I feel really fortunate because I get the opportunity to work with so many amazing people in our community and our customers and get to be a part of their world. And they trust me with being a part of their goals. And more often than not, almost everyone is focused on health. And at the core of that is diet and eating a balanced diet. But eating this kind of diet, it's a huge time commitment and it's easy to get knocked off track. That's why it's so great to have a solution when you don't have the time to do the prepping and the cooking and the cleanup, but you still wanna eat healthy. That's why we partner with Factor. And Factor is chef-created, dietitian approved meals that are ready to go in just two minutes. With Factor, there's no prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. The variety of different options and meals that they have is really impressive, but go see for yourself. Head to factormeals.com slash 150 and use code 150 to get 50% off. That's code 150 at factormeals.com slash 150 to get 50% off. Your experience in improv and in that sales that sales role really gave you the inspiration to say, hey, here, there's some successful components and this is an area that you felt you could train. And so you created Improve It based on that experience. And now you, now you guys are focused on productivity and team building, like leveraging those skills. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we do. We have 10 different power skill workshops. 
which range from anything to vision setting, which is a great productive hack, um, to presentation skills, networking, leadership. And then I started doing keynotes as well. So I have a team of 22 improv professionals who help on the training side. Stepping out on that keynote stage, Chris, doing the putting on the big girl, big girl pants, and uh, and doing that, which has changed for me the business because I've had sort of a new role in the past year and a half, and we have really leaned into just helping people and teams through this art form, especially post pandemic, because people were just craving this connection and this camaraderie, which is exactly what improv does. Yeah, it's been, and and I, my team and I, even though we're improvisers, a lot of people have this misconception. We are the most type A people, my, my internal team, because we love some hacks. Like we are here for the hacks. We are here for the productivity. A lot of people think improvisers and they think, oh, they just make it up. They fly by the seat of your pants. Now my, my facilitators, some of them live that lifestyle on the internal side at Improve It. I mean, we are, everything is planned with improv mixed in between. So it's it's really interesting, um, kind of a juxtaposition to think about the work we do, but how intentional it really is. Mm. What is, in your experience, like what is the biggest benefit of mixing in the improv into these productivity sessions? What does that really enable people to do differently? Yeah. So first and foremost, I really think we all wore masks to work prior to 2020. Hypothetical masks, if you will. So what it does is it removes this, I am the CEO of this company mask. I am such and such title. And it makes you a human. It humanizes work. It takes away the title and the prestige, and it puts everyone on the same playing field. So you can have an intern, you could have a CEO in the same room for those two hours or wherever, however long we're there. They are on the same page. They're in it together. They're working through it together. So that's one thing. And then secondly, it also helps postpone judgment. So really with this idea of yes and, it's a redirection of that no. Like I mentioned with sales, I'm literally, instead of telling people no, I'm saying yes and. So it's I hear you, thank you, acknowledging their input and adding to it. So it really helps teams connect in a different way and makes every single voice on that team have a seat at the table, feel seen, heard, and valued by using these concepts because there's rules of improv comedy and those rules are what we pull from the stage to teach from in a business setting. And those rules, I really believe if you are a really strong improviser and you understand those rules, a strong improviser makes up the traits of a great human because it's all about connection and trust and support. And that's what improv does. It teaches you experientially how to do those things versus tells you. Mm, it's so important to have a model and, and be purposeful mm-hmm. and not just continuing to try to do things at random. And you know, one thing that that I've experienced with having you know, more of like fun, laughter, encouraging that environment before you get into some productivity space, I feel like it, it opens up the 
like people to being creative. You get out of the the fight or flight kind of mindset where you're defensive and you just you're not willing to share or you're not feeling like it's it's you know you can offer your ideas and and be in a collaborative space. It just kind of brings that wall down. Do you, do you feel that way too? A thousand percent. And this and that's laughter and positivity. That like imagine just a room full of people laughing, but we're sliding right in when they're laughing and boom, there's the learning moment. And I like to call that the aha, ha ha moment. <laughs> okay. That was cheesy. I'm a che- but, but it is, it's like their light bulb goes off and they're laughing at the same time. And that really is the connection between what we do is literally we break down those barriers and that's when the great ideas come out. That's when innovation happens. That's when people are letting go of judgment, not only of other people, but more importantly of themselves. And it's really cool to witness. I love watching people walk in, let's say a group of 20, like 20 individuals, and then they leave a group of 20. They are now an ensemble. They have created this special vibe that only they can understand. And the really cool thing is it can never be recreated that exact way again because it was improvised. Mm. And you get into a, a meeting or you know, any environment where you're trying to get some collective thought and some creativity going and everybody's coming in in a different place, right? You're in, yeah. somebody might be having like a biological response to the of, of threat and they're just very closed off. Someone else might be thinking about, you know, something that's going on at home, whatever, but doing an activity like this must just get everybody into the same kind of mindset. Let's like get on the same wavelength of, you know, lowering the barrier and being willing to, to work on something creative. Yeah. And I love the way you mentioned to you about biological fight or flight mode. That is huge because we all, I mean, listen, I'm on a journey to save myself from that mode. Like I was living in it for 39 years and finally she figured out how to have inner peace. This is this is shocking. 40 years later. Um, but what I will say about that is that in order to, in such a short period of time, because we're working with teams in either two-hour chunks, half-day chunks, to get them to remove that feeling you have to start off by creating a safe space. We have to ease them in. We have to tell them this is this is for your personal and professional development. What you put into today, you'll get out of today. We're here to support you and set that tone on the upfront because they have to feel safe in order. Psychological safety is huge, obviously, but especially in this type of environment, generally that safety starts to happen as soon as we get the laughter going. And that's why the chicken hat is awesome and the chicken dance. But sometimes there's people who have trepidation, not sometimes, always. There's one or two people who are like, this is so outside of my comfort zone. And so what I'll allow to happen in those situations is we'll just keep the group going and then let them ease in at their own comfort level. And then by the end, they have usually let go. But the judgment comes from themselves. It's never from the room. It's their own judgment of letting go. And that's just something that I realized in two hours, sometimes I can't fix. Um, but it's really set, it's setting that tone that this is a safe space for you to do this. Do it. Like this is, when it worked, do you get four hours to just let go and be with your team? You know, so it's really fun to watch when people, when, and they do it when people do it. Oh, I could see my team really 
embracing the opportunity to see me do a chicken dance. There's, there's no question about that one. <laughs> uh, and people, people be, you'll be surprised if you will, and we have a chicken champion. So whoever's the most enthusiastic wins and you'll be surprised at who busts out what. Oh, if, it, if we can make a competition out of it, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, I know. People in sales hate competitions. So, you know, yeah, I'm right. just kidding. But like, it's so funny to watch. Sales teams are like nuts about it. Yeah. Well, you mentioned the there's some rules to improv, five five rules to improv that that transfer over. Can we go through those? Is that something that we could uh, dive into? Yeah. So there's five rules and I don't know if you have them on your end, but these are the rules that I really teach by. So, and they actually are our core values as well. I'm going to just kind of weave that into it too. Like we, we use improv as the fundamental teaching tool for everything that we do. And so of course that's going to bleed into our company and how we work, but one is yes. And okay. Lead with yes. And which I talked about earlier, which is Huge letting go of judgment, postponing judgment of yourself, most importantly, and of others, letting go and redirecting the no, because no is like a fun vacuum. It just really squashes ideas. That's one. You look behind me, Chris, I know we got people on audio, maybe some on video. There's a sign called fail. Yeah. Okay. And this this goes into one of my uh, one of not my I didn't make these rules up, but I live by these rules. So one of the rules is no mistakes, only gifts, which means in improv, anything that happens on stage that may be a mistake is not a mistake. It becomes a part of the scene that involves that yes and concept. Fail. Yeah. Leans into this concept and it's really accept failures as gifts. If you can look at them as learning opportunities, what a way to reframe and what a better headspace to walk around with and mindset to live by. So this is number two. Is that where the failfluencer comes from? Yes. Yeah. 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 I'm not an influencer. I don't give out links to things on Amazon. What I give you is a link back to yourself. And I help you feel better about your failures and fail forward because fail fluencing's a lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> Made it a whole thing. Um, but yeah, I really, that's one of the keynotes that I started doing. It's called F Words at Work. And I started really reframing the way that I looked at failure in the past few years of my life. It has changed everything. I mean, let's be honest, a failure still sucks. You got to sit in it. You have to marinate on it, but developed a whole methodology on how to go through failure and make it work for you. So I really leaned into this rule of improv, like huge rule. The third rule, okay, these are my own rules, right? That I'm kind of making, I don't know what you got written down, but if I've missed one, you tell me. They're on three. So, <laughs> We're on three. Okay. So the third rule is really when you ask questions, you're actually not giving your scene partner a place to go. So it's really giving specific answers or guiding conversations versus ask, asking questions. So that kind of bleeds into life for me. It's 
you can ask questions, of course, be curious, but also know where you stand. Also have the answers ready from your own perspective. Check in with yourself. As a recovering people pleaser, I didn't do that for a long time. She did not check in. She was like, what do you want, Chris? What do you need? (laughs) That doesn't work in life or on the improv stage. Okay, Chris, do you have these? Do you have four and five? Because I want to know what you have that I don't have. Oh, I would, right. I have yes and, uh, no mistakes, only gifts. And you said really more guiding conversations from a place of curiosity versus asking, you know, I guess, questions without an intended outcome. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay. So be be curious, but also know where you stand. Another massive rule of improv besides yes and is really checking in with your scene partner and give and take. Mm. So not taking the entire time. Literally, it's a two-way street. Conversations are that. Conversations, they aren't one-sided. So when you're on stage and you're the one talking and you're not giving your scene partner a chance to speak, you're a scene hog. People don't like to play with you. When you're an audience member watching that, you don't like just hearing from one person. So it's a give and then it's a take. And really, we want to be doing both. And that applies directly to life. Like, so fundamentally true to life, especially as leaders, entrepreneurs, business owners. I mean, you have to listen as much as you are giving. And then really that leads me to the fifth rule, which is listen to understand, not to respond. Huge rule and so applicable to life. But what it really means is instead of planning what you want to say, in improv, you can't. Like that's What I started to do, I always wanted to go, when I started improv in the beginning, I wanted to go straight for the punch. You can't do that because the audience knows that you're not really listening to your scene partner. So it's listening to understand versus really giving your response first and what you're pre-planning in your mind. Same goes for leadership. That is pure empathy is what that rule means is listen first versus talk. And that kind of leads, it kind of bleeds into number four. Those two are, I would say, sort of interchangeable, but really a strong focus on listening is what makes a great improviser and hearing what that person has said. And yes, anding it as an audience member, you're like, that was awesome. How did they connect those dots? And if you can do that in life, like how good is it in a sales conversation when you're the one being sold to and the person who you're talking to, the salesperson, remembers something you said, maybe from a previous conversation, or they remember your kid's name, or they remember, you know, a variety of different things that makes you feel seen, heard, and valued. That's the same thing. It's all the same. Yeah. And those, those, those are my rules that I live by, but I know there's more. There's good rules. Those are good rules. And that, that's what you've, from improv, where you see transfer over to uh, success in productivity and and in the workspace. Are there, are there any other characteristics that you've seen in your experience with improv that leaders should consider or embody to be successful? Yeah. It's really being present is so huge. You know when you're being listened to and you know when you're not. And you know... 
So it's this fundamental really of yes and. Yes and embodies listening and embodies presence. If I, If you're my manager, Chris, and I go to you with an idea and you shut me down, I'm not going to really feel compelled to go back to you with more ideas because you've shut me down. I feel like, oh, this sucks, right? If you redirect that and you're super present with me and you say, you know, Aaron, great idea. We don't have the budget right now, but how about we schedule a meeting in a couple months? You did not tell me yes. You didn't shut me down. You've made me feel important because you listened to me and you gave me the gift of your presence, which is a gift, being present. A present is called a present because it is a gift. You know what I mean? So it, it's it's a it's just a really beautiful way to live. And I can tell you, like I mentioned, we have 22 improv professionals. You get us in this. One time we drove 12 of us in a van to Florida. Okay. It was, the, it was, an, it was from Chicago, it was like driving from Chicago. It was, well, no, sorry. We flew to Orlando. Then we had to drive two hours Okay, to this conference. Okay. Legit. It was like driving the clown car at the circus because everyone is trying to yes and each other. And it's just like, no one's shutting down anybody's ideas. So it's bit after bit after bit after bit. And it's this just loud, awesome car of fun and joy because everyone lives that mindset on a day-to-day basis. That's so cool. It's crazy. I, I would love yeah. to have been a passenger in that car. Oh my God. It was so fun. I also needed a three-day nap post-trip. Like I was like, all of my all of my systems have been activated. I am very alert. Um, and that's what improv does too. It's like working a muscle. It's like yoga for your brain. Oh yeah. Just laughter in general, right? I mean, having fun. It's, I feel like it's so healthy. At least for me, I, I need that. It's it's not one of my listed three core values at the moment, but I sometimes question if it needs to be. Chris, add it in. Give yourself four. Maybe don't give your give it a three and a half. You need it. <laughs> Put it in there. Well, in different times of your life, maybe you need it more than others. That's it. I'm here for that. There you go. Well, what are some activities when you when you guys are working with teams? If if you don't mind sharing, what are some of the things other than chicken dance, which we've we've covered? <laughs> uh, what are some things you guys do to to help open the room up and and have fun and and talk about productivity? Hmm. Okay. Well, this one is super easy. We use it in a variety of workshops. So we have ten different workshops. Each workshop has its own set of activities, and each are different, but there is one crossover. So I'll give you this one. It's called. It is yes and. So, you want to play a little bit, Chris? Sure. Wanna, do you want to try this out? Okay. So here's how it works. Let's. This could be a partner activity or a group activity, but it's you and I. So we'll do uh, a partner. So what's going to happen is we are going to plan. When's your birthday, Chris? July. 26. <gasps> Perfect. Okay. 26. Okay. My son's is the 24th. We're going to do, we're going to plan Chris's birthday bash. Okay. <laughs> and here's the deal. You have to come up with food, a location and entertainment for this party. You and I both, we're going to both share ideas. The caveat is that every time you respond to my answer, you have to respond with yes and. I might switch it up a little bit. I'm going to start with yes and, but I want you to just keep yes anding. So we're just going to throw out ideas. Like, okay, I'll start. Ready? You ready? Ready. Let's go. Okay. Um, Okay. Yes and 
Beyonce is coming to this party and she is going to do the single ladies dance, but she's going to do it with Blue Ivy and the twins because they've learned it. Yes. And we need a champagne toast prior to the dance. Yes. And when you give the toast, because you're really good at speeches, I'm going to walk around and hand everyone a puppy. Yes. And we're going to have them all exchange puppies after 15 minutes. Yes. But some people are allergic to dogs. So we want to make sure that we get the hypoallergenic dogs to the people that have really bad allergies. Yes, and we'll know who's got the allergies because we're asking them about that when we order the food. Yes, but do people who have food allergies actually have dog allergies? Are those one and the same? Yes, and we'll just add it to the list of questions. No, I think we need a separate survey, Chris, that just asks about the dog allergies. Yes, and we can ask those questions when we are asking about the food, but also asking about the entertainment. No, I don't want to give people input into the entertainment. We've already decided it's Beyonce. Yes, and we can have them suggest songs they would like to hear from Beyonce. No, it's just single ladies. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so good job. I'm going to give you a round of applause. uh, It's like a B minus, but I'll I'll take it. Thank you. (laughs) No, take it. Take a bow. You crushed it. Okay, so let me me ask you how this felt because I was messing with you. And this is what we do. Like in a workshop setting, it could be in a group of people and one person is asked to do the yes, but one person is asked to to do the no because and everyone else is yes anding. Or we'll give them direction as partners like I did. I just didn't give the direction. I just did the direction. So for you, when we were yes anding, how did that feel? It was fun. It puts you on the spot. You have to kind of think, you know, dynamically and out of the box on like where you want to take it. it took me a second to kind of get the, the the process. But I think on a with a few reps and watching other people go, it's really fun. Yeah. And the momentum was there when both of us were yes anding. When I was just, I was yes anding you, not giving you a yes but, right? Like yeah. that felt different. Ah, I see your point. Uh-huh. And then I did yes but. And then it all starts out. falling apart. I'm like, I lo- I'm losing track of <laughs> where we're going. Uh-huh. And then I know because you, and then there was really, it was like, it, be, it was not a give and take, which is one of those improv rules. It was one-sided. And I was squashing your fun. Did you I feel see that? The, the, the carryover there. That makes sense. Yeah. So we always do this and we have to cut the activity pretty quickly after we appoint a no because person because it gets hated. People are like, you are supposed to. Yes, and. Um, however, what the aha moment really is, is I'll ask people. So let's say we're, we have a group of us doing this or if, even if it's just you and I, I'll say, raise your hand. If you have been in a meeting like this recently Mm. and almost everyone in the room will raise their hand. And what it really teaches is if we can understand this fundamental of yes and, we don't even have to use the words. Once we understand the fundamental and we don't just squash ideas with no's, 
we see the momentum that you and I were creating with Yes And in the beginning. Like we were giving out puppies. We were going to have Beyonce. We were going to have you doing champagne toast. Like we were going places. And then we had some allergy issues. And then we needed to have surveys. And, you know, surveys got squashed. Things, things took a turn. That usually happens in meetings because we have somebody who says no. And generally that person may have a title, a high title. So really what we do is we want to work with leaders to set the tone that yes, and can be a fundamental in your business. And if we can do this, imagine what happens if everyone in the room could share in these ideas and the momentum, and then you achieve a goal that you all set together. You don't just get to share that success yourself. You get to share that success with everyone in the room and it it inspires them and empowers them to want to keep showing up and sharing ideas. So when you can do that, when you can make people feel that way, feel empowered, productivity rises and then the individual and the organization thrives. It helps bottom lines. It helps ROIs. It helps with retaining talent, attracting talent. It's it's a fundamental that if we can get leaders to understand first and they can trickle it down to their teams, can change the culture of their organization. Oh, it's powerful. Yeah. And- not knowing where this was going, I felt like, wow, I'm really, I'm really struggling in this in this game because <laughs> you're getting so many no's and and butts and uh and and shut down. So I, I, it's really cool. I, I like the exercise. And as a as a leader, you might be sitting in one of these these meetings, right? In a in a creative meeting and a strategy session, and you're thinking either internally potentially, like, wow, this is going to be some crazy amount of work that I'm going to have to do to make this possible. Or you're starting to try to process, starting to process like the, the limitations that might exist or organizationally, you're thinking about what resources don't exist today or like what team members there aren't there to support it. And you're really limiting creativity. Um, and you have to be aware of that inclination. There's probably other triggers there and, and saying yes. And we'll figure out how we do that and not shut down the process. And maybe there is some black hat to wear like after the fact. That you you got to be okay. Like, what are the the you know potential roadblocks or blind spots around doing this? But you don't want to create an environment where when someone says something, you say no or but or you know you shut it down. Oh my god, I love that. And can I add? Can I yes and you yes anding because I'm loving it. And by the way, you crushed that activity, Chris. You <laughs> dealt with every card that was given to you. So don't you even for one second think you were bad. You rocked it. Um, B minus. So no A plus. <laughs> A plus plus, A plus plus. So one thought there that I really want to touch on is a lot of people are like, well, there's restraints, right? Like sometimes you have to say no, but you can redirect that no. Yes, and doesn't mean you have to agree with everything being said. What it does is it builds ideas. It makes people feel heard. And then what you can do from that idea generation is start to narrow down themes. Okay, well, it sounds like everyone wants somebody like Beyonce, but we don't have Beyonce money. Let's get a local artist who sings Beyonce cover bands, you know? Let's, <laughs> and so you start to see thematically what the group is going towards, and then you can start to bring it to reality a little bit. I always say go super pie in the sky. Go nuts. Plan, plan, plan. And then you can see where you can pull themes, then you can start to narrow it down. 
And that narrowing down, you really still want to use the CS and mindset. You don't want to squash fun or squash ideas. You want people to still buy in. You can vote. You can have people say, okay, well, yes, and I we can't do this with our budget. How about we do this? And I always really like to tell people when you are in these sessions, appoint, this sounds so cheesy, but appoint a chief yes and officer for the meeting. That person's sole job they're contributing is also to make sure everyone in the group is yes anding and everyone has, has shared an idea. Mm. I was going to ask you if you've ever like played the game, air quotes, with an actual you know vision or business strategy and had everyone use that as the, mm, gotcha, not just uh, my oh. birthday. <laughs> oh, I mean, I, so here's where I live. I live in this world of improv. So my team is a, like, we live in this yes and Sometimes it's a nice reality check for me when I go outside of my organization and I plan with, I don't know, clients, associations we're a part of. So I was a part of an association, not to be named, and I was planning their large conference. Let me just tell you how frustrating it was for me to be a part of those meetings. So I said, here's where we're going. Here's what we're doing. We're yes anding. I cannot, I will not volunteer my time to this organization unless we change it. That changed everything. And we planned a really successful conference, great, great attendee feedback, but we were going nowhere for a long time. And when you volunteer your time to something and it goes nowhere, you start to get frustrated. And so, yes, and really changed that organization and that association for me. And I have lifelong friends now because of it. That's awesome. You're living it. Living it. Living dreams, Chris. I'm living dreams. (laughs) That's awesome. So yes, and kind of redirect the no, redirect like where the energy is focused to keep the creative space. And you know, there's no mistakes, just gifts, there's opportunities. Yeah. I like to say the golf, putting the ball on the tee uh, so they can hit it. And uh, guiding conversations versus act, asking like, you know, uh, empty questions. It said in give and take, it's about give and take. It's being, knowing that there's a, like a circular kind of relationship that's happening all the time. And then listening with the intent to understand, right? Seek first to understand not be understood, I think, as Covey said once. Yes. Oh, I love a Covey moment. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. Awesome. Well, if our listeners are interested in checking out what you're up to or your podcast or inquiring about getting some support to have fun with their team, where can they find you? You are so awesome. Thank you. I love this conversation, by the way. Me too feeling very like vibey. I want to keep yes anding. Um, so you can check us out at learn to improve it.com learn to improve it.com. Can I, can I tell them about our freebie that they could get on Please. a website? Absolutely. When you go there, there's a little pop-up and it's called the play your way into wellness workbook. It starts off with a quiz that helps you think about How are you handling your self-care? We're on the self-care kick here at our company, Improve It, and it helps you narrow down out of five avatars, your self-care avatar. Then you'll get an email sent to you with your results. And in that results is the Play Your Way Into Wellness Workbook, which is a 23-page manual that gives you improv techniques. It gives you energy boosters and rituals that your avatar can use to practice wellness into your workday. 
And you can also read all the other ones too, because they're great. You can practice them all, try yours and then do them all, but check that out. And then you can find me on the Improve It podcast. We use improv to help people be their selves or their best selves professionally and, and personally. And I said this to you, Chris, I felt like for a while we were we were taking some, we were doing some breaststrokes and swimming above water on the show. And now we're doing some scuba diving. We're doing some really deep topics, had some really cool guests with mind body connection and how that relates to how we show up as leaders and just really here for those conversations right now. So you can check us out there or find me on LinkedIn, Aaron Deal, or keeping it real deal on the gram. <laughs> That's great. Thanks, Aaron. And you know, if if you're if you're listening, I think it's so important to consider what we've talked about when it comes to even if, if you're on a team, if you're a leader of a team, it's difficult times. And when you're faced with challenges, that natural inclination is to kind of pull back in, to kind of shut down the fun, to get serious, to hey, we got to hit the numbers, we got to make budget, we got to do the thing. But don't forget that you can limit creativity by not opening up the space to, to do things like this. And so I appreciate so much what you're focused on, Aaron. And uh, thanks for talking about it today. But if you could have our listeners take away one thing from the podcast today, what would you have them take away? I love it. This, I was, you know, I said to you, Chris, I'm like, I'm going to let it flow. I had an idea and here I am. I'm not pre-planning. Here's my thought. Here's your one thing. Pretend every single person that you talk to for the rest of the day has a sign around their neck that says, make me feel important and see where that one thing takes you. You will have more productive conversations. You will have more productive relationships and you will feel more productive because you're putting yourself in a positive headspace first. Well said. Aaron, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I appreciate it. Thank you, Chris. All right. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to The One Thing Podcast. If you're a bold risk taker who wants to dream big and achieve a higher level of success in your life or business, visit theonething.com. There you'll find information on one-on-one coaching, our exclusive community membership program, and customized workshops that will help you get your team or organization aligned and rowing in the same direction. That's T-H-E, the number one, dot com to start living the life you've always dreamed of today. Be sure to follow the show to stay up to date on weekly episodes, guest interviews, and more. Plus, we would love to hear from you. Send us a voice note by going to speakpipe.com slash the one thing or email us at podcast at the one thing.com. We'll see you next week.